Welcome to Newsworthy with Norisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. Welcome back to the show, friends. Today we've got we've got a good one for you. It's a fun conversation. Let me tell you about this month's sponsor. It's Abilene Christian University's Graduate School of Theology. Now, it's not just a school. It's a community, a community of learners and disciples curious about their faith and history and committed to becoming the hands and feet of Christ in our world. Now, let me tell you something on a personal note about the ACU Graduate School of Theology. It's where I did my MDiv. I had a great experience there, and I think if you're interested in graduate school, it would be uh, a place where you have a great experience, too. Now, they've got a, a bunch of programs that are available, MAs, MDivs, they've got a D-Men, and they even have uh, online stuff you can work on. So uh, you've got a lot of great opportunities. You can go to the acu.edu website for more information. There's also a link over on our Facebook page, Newsworthy with Norsworthy on the old Facebook. If, uh, if you friend the show, there will be a link to ACU's Graduate School of Theology over there, which you can check out more about them. And uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. So if you're interested in getting some more education, maybe an MA in Christian ministry or theology, Old Testament, New Testament, ancient Oriental Christianity, or modern and American Christianity, they've got MAs and all that. They've got the old MDiv, and they've got D-Men. So there's a lot of great stuff which you should go check out. Now, if you also haven't uh, checked out the podcast on iTunes, I would appreciate it if you go over there. Leave us a review. It helps the old ratings, helps, gets the word out on iTunes. So leave a rating, leave a review, uh, assuming you're going to leave a good one. If you're not, then please don't. But if you are, it would be greatly appreciated. Now, let me tell you about the conversation at hand today. Uh, this is uh, our friend Tony Jones coming back on the show. He's going to talk a little bit about the legacy of Phyllis Tickle. I'm going to do another one of these. Uh, I think it's Thursday morning. Brian McLaren and I are going to talk some more about Phyllis Tickle, and I'll have that one out probably this week too. Put out pretty quickly, and uh, so look forward to that. So you're going to hear more about while we're talking about Phyllis Tickle during the podcast. Uh, it will be a great introduction to her work if you don't know about her work already, and if you do, I think you're going to uh, find Tony Jones's friendship with Phil Stickle to be something very interesting and enlightening. So, here we go. Welcome back to the show, friends. Today we have joining us from up north, our favorite crock-wearing, bird-shooting yogi, Dr. Tony Jones. Hey, buddy. How are I'm you? I'm great. I'm good. I'm real good. Good. Thanks for coming back on the podcast. Hey, anytime. Anytime. I'm an, e I'm an easy get. I'm no, it's not like NT Wright or something, man. You just call me, you text me, I'll and be up. Just, I'll call you maybe. That, we can do that. And I appreciate you coming on the podcast because I know you recently caused an internet controversy with your um, kerfuffle with uh, Pete Rollins. Oh, did I? What was that? Oh, yeah. our, our big debacle? Yeah, and I was wondering if you would actually interact with someone who's your own size, because I feel like you're picking on someone so much smaller than you. Uh, yeah, but you know, it's like, uh, never underestimate a hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love to. I'm just saying, I'm just saying they're, they're, uh, they're feisty. Yeah, yeah. You know what I saw you post on the old uh, internet? You did a blog post about why you don't post blogs not too long ago. And I thought that was really interesting. 
about why I don't post. Yeah, why you don't blog. You wrote a blog about why. I, I wrote a blog about a lot of people are blogging less. Yeah. And, you know, I've been talking to my friends about this. I, I'm actually going to start blogging some more because there's just more. There's just some. I'm in between books right now. I've got things I'm thinking about that I want to write about, um, stuff like that. I'm probably going to turn my blogging back up. For a while, man, I was blogging. I was posting 11 times a week. I was posting twice a day on weekdays and once on Saturday and none on Sunday. So that was... Why? Why would you do that to yourself? Because um, it was just a strategy that my literary agent and I came up with as we were trying to take me to the next level of of publishing, like that I I really wanted to move from the kind of Christian publishing houses into the, you know, New York houses as they're called. And like Harper One was where I ended up landing in large part because my, you know, my blog platform grew enormously and, you know, my numbers were huge at Patheos. And and so it does work. It did work. It did work. Mm -hmm. That's four or five years ago. I wonder now, I talk, like I wrote about, I, I talked to a lot of people who are like kind of over blogs, especially the comments, you know, and yes. um, I just saw a buddy of mine is going to, like he wrote on Facebook, he's going to get a tattoo, don't read the comments, get it tattooed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and yet, and, and I think like you're really on the on the wave of, I see a lot of interest in podcasts right now, and I think in large part that's because it's a more civil form of communication in large part and because people can listen to it and they're almost they're off they go online to get it and then they're offline and they may yeah. go leave a comment on your site under the episode or whatever but it's really not about the back and forth feistiness of a blog it's really about like i'm going to have a thoughtful interview and then you download it and then you're offline you're on the treadmill or you're in your car on sitting on the bus and you listen to this and it's not so much of a dynamic form of communication it's yeah. more like reading a book yeah yeah and i have no no offense to you, but I have no interest in blogging. But I know that um, with the podcast, it you can get the content out there. It's just a medium that uh, is not as conducive for that sort of um, vitriolic interaction. Which I I I have no I, I have respect for people who interact with uh, troll ish people on the internet because I think it's a, maybe a nice thing to do. But I don't want to do that. Don't want to do that at all. Well, I don't know you very well, but it seems like your personality isn't that kind of a personality. My personality is more of that feisty fighter, aggressor. You know, like let's let's prov- let's provoke some stuff. Let's yeah. get a conversation going. But I will say, obviously, um, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword, yeah. and that has in a lot of ways backfired on me and caused me to rethink mm-hmm. my whole online tenor and tone and I've, I've changed it dramatically aren't you uh enneagram eight is that right yeah i'm yeah. an eight you know. i've been stalking you that's how i know that is all right so like i'm kind of a hard charging you know i mean in general i i, I i'm kind of bossy and yeah that's that's, that's my personality but you know we change as we you know we change people change my gosh mm. i've been through a lot in, in the last 10 years and i've changed a lot as a result so um, and you know what? My friendship to Phyllis 
to make the segue for there you is. There is. is a huge part of that journey for me. Yeah. Okay, so let's just set this up. So you and I, uh, I think I sent you a message a couple of weeks ago, and it was right after the terrible news about Phil's Tickle. Uh, it came out stage four. Is it lung cancer? Is that right? That's right. And th- there's a story, I guess, Religious News Service uh, ran with it. And all along, I had been thinking, I want to eventually talk to her one day. She, did, she had had a book come out. She didn't have anything that was really timely. And so I was just waiting for an opportunity to talk to her in person. And so I'd always thought, okay, I'm going to eventually want to talk to this woman who's you know, had an impact on so many people's lives. Want to talk to her. News comes out. And I thought, oh, no. Uh, should And so I reached out to you and said, do you think it would be inappropriate to reach out to her publicist, who's someone that I've worked with a bunch, and say, hey, can I fly up to Memphis, sit down and talk with her? I asked you, hey, do you think that's appropriate? And you said, I, you actually were – you ran into her, you talked with her, you were with her that week? Yeah, I call – so Phil, Phyllis and I are very close. We've been – I mean she's one of my – four or five closest friends in the world and has been for, boy, I guess 10 years, uh, more than 10 years. And, you know, it's an unlikely friendship, a 47-year-old and an 82-year-old, but um, Mm -hmm. it's really not, it's not a grandmotherly, grandson type of friendship. Or It's really like, I mean, we're, I just, we're peers. We're just colleagues Mm -hmm. and peers. And so I've been very close to her. I, I have, I've run her Facebook page for several years. I've helped her with a lot of her social media stuff. Um, we, I've run Doug Paget and I've run events that have highlighted her as a speaker twice. We've done events solely dedicated to her in Memphis, so we're very close. I, I did know the news uh, a couple weeks before she publicly announced it, um, so I had been kind of helping her prep for how we were going to, at least on our Facebook page, how we're going to release that news. Um, but I hadn't called her on the phone because she'd been very busy and we'd been a lot texting and emailing. And then finally I was like, I have to call her because I knew she was about to start her radiation. Hmm. And I've been trying to figure out a time for myself to get down to Memphis to see her. And after about a minute and a half, I said, I am going to hang up. I love you. I'm hanging up because she had just gone into her third coughing fit. Like she couldn't, and she's a talker. I mean, Phyllis Tickle is a talker and she couldn't talk more than 15, 20 seconds without going into this terrible coughing fit. And it just was not even fair for me to be on the phone with her. Hmm. So I, you know, hung up and said, I'll text you. Yeah. That, um, Oh, that's heartbreaking. And so, so I don't, yeah, so this is why I said to you, you know, like, um, I don't think flying down there would be great for, I'm sure they would have said no. And I just, you know, wanted to save you the headache of going through the publicist and all that. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to, you know, put anyone on the spot if, if she's at that point, I don't want to bother her and intrude during this, this, you know, sacred time. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I didn't know this at the time, but you had written, uh, you'd edited a book in which, you talked about her legacy and her work. And so when we were thinking about putting together a legacy podcast or two, uh, you are obviously the man to talk to about. Well, there's a, there's a tradition in, in, the, in academia and particularly in uh, theology, biblical studies and stuff. It's called a festschrift, and that's a German word for a, uh, a book that is put together at the retirement of a – a notable scholar, mm-hmm. and everybody 
all their colleagues contribute essays and they have a they have a conference and you know and the book comes out and it's a feshrift for that scholar well phyllis is in in many ways is similar to me in that it, well in this one way she's similar to me in that we um we're both kind of scholars without an academic home i believe the phrase you use is freelance theologians yeah freelance theologian right so and she's kind of like a freelance church historian person but she doesn't she doesn't have tenure on a faculty. She doesn't have this a close set of colleagues. She doesn't um, present, at least not often, at some place like the American Academy of Religion or something like that. That's just not her shtick. Mm-hmm. Her shtick is traveling roadshow lady. And so I um, approached a publisher, at who Pericle Press, who um, you know they they're very committed to Phyllis and have been partnering with her for many years. And so what would you think about a tribute volume, a feshrift for Phyllis? Because there's no, it's not like her associate dean is going to put it together because she doesn't have one. So you're the guy who's going to do that. So so they they said, yeah. And so I went out and asked these people, all mutual friends, uh, to contribute essays. And so we had this tribute volume that then we presented to Phyllis at... um, the, at at a, our conference called Christianity 21 that took place about a year and a half ago. We presented that volume to her. Oh, that, oh so, and that's your conference out of Phoenix? We did in Phoenix last year. That year it was in Denver. In, oh, okay. in, in 2014 it was in Denver, and Phyllis was there, and we had a big party, and everybody toasted her. And, and she knew very, this was coming? Yeah, and we had sprung this on her a year earlier at a, a, a conference – that was for her, that was just her speaking. She was the only keynoter down in Memphis. We pulled her up on stage and we said, um, hey, FYI, we're doing a book about you. And she was flabbergasted and it was, mm. it was a very fun kind of reveal, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about her work. For someone who doesn't know Phil Stickle, who doesn't know what she's done with her career, uh, I think in the book you talked about, you know, she's had basically like three periods in her life. She was teacher, uh, dean of Humanities at a university, and then like her second phase was in the publishing industry. Uh, what was it that she was working with in the publishing industry? She worked at Publishers Weekly, which is like the it's the trade magazine in the publishing industry. Yeah, and so she and she, she was asked to. Nobody had taken religion very seriously in in the publishing world, mm-hmm. um, but there was a certain point in the late 80s, early 90s, when the entire publishing industry was shrinking except for religious publishing. And all these, you know, uh, snooty New York literati were like, who the hell are these people in middle America who are buying books written by Rick Warren? Like, what's this about? You know, who's Mm. Bill Hybels? Never heard of him, and he's selling millions of books. And so they hired Phyllis to start their religion department. And they started tracking the growth of religious publishing, which they had never done before. So she really became, for you know, a decade and a half, she was the go-to person for any journalist, any professor, anybody who was trying to figure out religious publishing. Did you get to know her during that time? 
Yeah, that's when I first met her, and I have a funny story that's that's in the book too. Is that um, she was she was just transitioning out of that, and so the year must have been like it was probably like two thousand two thousand one or something, mm-hmm. and she, and it, there was a there was a there's a big book trade show called it's now called ICRS. International Christian Retailers Association. It used to be called Christian Booksellers Association. So it was like all the big change, like um, Lighthouse Christian Stores, Family Christian Stores, Lifeway, and then all the little mom and pop Christian bookstores. Back when there were those things, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then all the publishers had booths, and they're trying to sell books to these, you know, book buyers and stuff. Well, Phyllis Tickle was kind of holding court with all these religion journalists. And somebody asked her, like, what do you think is going to be the next big book this year? And she said, uh, I think it's going to be a book uh, by a guy named Brian McLaren called A New Kind of Christian. (laughs) And no one had ever heard of Brian McLaren. I mean, he was a pastor in, you know, he's a pastor in Maryland who got Mm -hmm. a book deal with Josie Bass. And she says this and all these people after the after her press conference. We'll go over to the Josie Bass booth, and they're like, "Can we get a review copy of A New Kind of Christian by Brian McLaren?" And you know, it was obviously a groundbreaking book that Brian mm-hmm. wrote, and that little push by Phyllis helped a lot. But that just shows you, you know, that that just shows you the the kind of influence she had. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that book was influential to so many people's lives. Oh my gosh! So many. I still remember the, where I was when I started reading it. I mean, it was. Huh. Powerful book. So that's the second phase of her life. That's when you were uh, you got introduced to her, and yeah. then I, I think as you say in the book, uh, she got sick of talking about other people talking about religion and stopped wanting to be like this passive editor person. And she decided I've got things to say and I want to say it. And so that's when she started basically writing. Yeah, you know, um, uh, a lot of us we have to. You probably have to decide this as as an interviewer with a podcast is. You know, for the most part, you play a neutral tone. You you interview authors from all over the spectrum, and you don't ever say, "Hey, I think your book's full of crap." You're like, mm-hmm. "Tell me about your book." Yeah, I never you know, once said that the first time I interviewed you. Right, exactly. And you have, <laughs> but you have opinions. So at a certain point, you might say, "I'm sick of interviewing people talking about their books. I want to write my own book because mm-hmm. I have opinions on this stuff." Yeah. Like this stuff really matters. Like I have opinions on Christology, or I have opinions on the Bible, or whatever, and um, or on church planting. And you're going to say you're going to, or you're going to say I'm going to be a journalist, and I'm going to report on what the latest books are. But I'm also going to start another stream of a podcast where I like say my opinions, or I yeah. push my own sermons on, on an audio stream. Well, Phyllis was at that. She'd been reporting on Wait, what. So, I, Hold on, do I have to wait till I'm like 70 to do that? Because I don't no, think bro. I can... Okay, good. Don't wait that long. Okay, good. Just checking. So she decided so she she's going to do that. Yeah, so she she made the... She kind of jumped from being a reporter to being in... Like in newspaper talk, she went from being a reporter to somebody who writes an op-ed yeah. on, the, on, the, on the editorial page. And so that uh, was the, the, the book, uh, The Great Emergence, which came out, what, 2008? Was that really when that shift happened? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Now, she had written other books. Um, she had written some kind of reportage books, like God Talk in America was one, stuff like that. And she had also written 
um, a, a trilogy of memoirs, the most the famous of which is called The Shaping of a Life. She had written extremely popular prayer books called The Divine Hours that are published by Doubleday in multiple versions. And those sold a ton and, and were very, very popular. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like she was just reporting on the state of church in America. But with the great emergence, she really came out and said, this is what I think happened in the past. This is what's happening now. And this is what I think is going to happen in the future. Yeah. And so she it was then basically disqualified from being a reporter because now she was an opinionator. Yeah. So if, if people haven't read that book, which they, they should, she makes the argument that basically every 500 years there is uh, what like a yard sale. Is that the metaphor she uses? Rummage sale, Rummage yeah. Rummage sale, okay. Yep, yep. Now, you even say in the uh, Festschrift, or however you pronounce that in German, that you didn't agree on everything with her, which was a neat it, – it created a very interesting relationship that made it very – it seemed more authentic for you to at least admit, hey, we don't agree on everything. Phyllis and I have several times – spoken together like been asked to speak together at things and we just get up on stage and argue it's hilarious (laughs) because we love each other and i just think she's completely full of crap about some things and she thinks i'm full of it on other things and i we did that one year believe it or not at the cornerstone festival we were we did like a three three session two hour each six hour long multiple session seminar tony and phyllis talk about the emerging church under a tent at the Cornerstone Festival, surrounded by, you know, straight-edge kids and tatted-out <laughs> people and, you know, the, the whole, uh, you know, Jesus people church and all. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. It was a crazy experience that no longer exists, but it was fun while it lasted. And there Phyllis and me standing up there, and she's there in her, you know, moo-moo or whatever the hell she was wearing, and, oh, and we're just, like, arguing and laughing, and then we went out to dinner afterwards and drank whiskey. She was, she's a... Tennessee girl. She, she's a big fan of Gentleman Jack. Yeah, Gentleman Jack Daniels. Yeah, her, well, okay, was the 500-year rummage sale, was that one of the things that you agree on or disagree on? Well, you know, Phyllis has taken a little bit of heat because there are people, church historians and such, who've been, like... Look, that's not how history works. There aren't like big epochal shifts every five centuries. But, um, you know, enough people resonate with her argument and find the trend lines to be generally true that I think you can argue with her, you, you can quibble with her here and there. But look, uh, ultimately, Phyllis is writing a popular book. I mean, I, I, I've been taken a task in the last couple of days by a couple of biblical scholars who think that like, I, in my book on the atonement, I should have talked about not just about Romans 3 and Romans 7 through 8, but why didn't I have a whole chapter on Romans 5? And I'm like, well, because I'm not writing that kind of a book. Like, I'm not writing a, a, a deeply exegetical biblical studies book on every chapter of Romans. I'm writing a popular level book on the meaning of the death of Jesus. Phyllis is writing a popular level book on what's happening in the church because the fact is a lot of people i mean i think your podcast is just another part of this landscape now a lot of people are looking around and going like holy crap something like the whether it's the latest pew study or whatever it's always like there's the church is dying the church is changing mainline church is dead evangel like baby boomers millennial like it's always it's something 
something big is happening that hasn't happened in the last 100 or 200 years where suddenly the church is undergoing a major transformation like right before our eyes. Phyllis wrote about that in such a way that a lot of people were like, oh my gosh, what she says makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And she had a great deal of interest in talking about the emergence church, which was one of her her pet peeves or is one of her pet peeves talking about the difference. And maybe you can expound on this is the difference in the emerging emergent and emergence church. That's one of the things we used to argue about on stage all the time because she's like emergent. My my three-year-old just emerged into this podcast. Hey, Adam, say hi. Hi. Okay. Say bye. 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 Whoa. Whoa. Say bye. Bye. Go to mommy. Bye bye. That's why you lock your doors. I know. It's just, at home. I'm, just, I'm just like, I, I have to go in 10 minutes to coach my youngest, 10 year, mm-hmm. he's 10 at Little League, so I know it. Yeah, right on. Okay, so go back to the uh, emerging emergent. So she was, she, you know, it was kind of, in some ways, I always thought that she was kind of like saying, my, my brand name, Emergence. Mm hmm. That's the big umbrella, and emergent and emerging fit underneath it, you know. And yeah. I, and for always, those of us who were part of the emergent church or emergent village at the time, we're like, no, we're our thing is the big thing. Like we're <laughs> like everybody's invited to emergent village. Everybody's invited to the emergent church. And then, I mean, it, it looks so. It looks really quite ridiculous now, looking back on it five, seven years later. Mm-hmm. But you know, you have like. The evangelicals, you'd, you'd have like whatever, Dan Kimball or, or Mark Driscoll or whatever. We're emerging, you know, like the Missio Alliance. We're emerging and other people are like, no, you, you know, the liberals are emergent and the evangelicals are emerging. And then the evangelicals became missional. We're not emerging, we're missional. Yeah. And, the, you know, you're just like, I'm oh. Bored. I'm is... bored just hearing that. I'm I know, right? completely Isn't that... checked out. I look... And so I, I, I will say that I did have a lot of friends who got pretty worked up about those terms. I always – and I, you could look back at probably in my blog archive. I kind of mocked all that, this term versus that term and like it's how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. We're all kind of at the same thing. So Phyllis and I would like lovingly argue about that, mm-hmm. you know, and she would say, Oh, it's the great emergence. It's like the great trans. It's like the great reformation 500 years ago or well, this kind of thing. There you so. go. There you go. Okay. So yeah. as you're thinking of the, the legacy of Phyllis Tickle, the work that she's done, maybe not talk so much big church, maybe you personally, and then talk about the big church. It, it, it would be hard for me. It would be impossible for me to articulate what she's meant to me personally. Um, I met her at an emergent convention in 2003. I asked for some of her time. I, I asked her some publishing questions because I felt overwhelmed by the n- number of publishers were interested in my work and I didn't know how to navigate it. I felt like I was in over my head. She was amazing. She was, she was, she was clear eyed and candid, but loving and respectful. Um, a couple years after that, she wrote, uh, she wrote a, a forward to my book, the sacred way that I still read whenever I like need a little, 
pumping up really? <laughs> because I mean, yeah. she writes about my book as though I, it was written by the second coming of Jesus. I mean, it's, it's just an amazingly beautiful forward that she has written that she wrote. And she's done that for so many people written forwards or endorsements for their books that are, that are so beautifully. And I mean, it's just, it's, it's just incredible. She reads every book that gets sent to her for that. She reads every one, every one of those blur. And I'm, you know, I'll tell you, this is not the case for every author, but every blurb she writes is authentic. It's really from her, you know, and she's been, she's been a beautiful friend to me through like very trying personal times and circumstances. Um, we've, I've like laughed harder with Phyllis Tickle than with probably almost anyone in my life. Um, we've polished off a few bottles of Jack Daniels together over the years. Uh, you know, I just, I can't say enough about her. She, she's been there for me, um, in, in just any time I've reached out to her for good or for ill. Hey, Phyllis, will you endorse this book for a friend of mine? Can you speak at this conference? You know, can we talk about this or that personally? Every time it's yes. Hmm. And it's just, and it's just, it's just, you know, you read tributes to her now on, on Facebook or on people's blogs. Um, just like in this book, you mentioned this book that I edited called Phyllis Tickle evangelist of the future. And you read and you just think, my gosh, if, if I, if at the end of my days, there were one person who would write an essay like that. Hmm. And I had more people who wanted to write essays for that book than I could fit in the book. Really? You know? Why do you, so she, she's why, just, she's why, just a one of a kind person. Why, what do you think it is that made her have that kind of impact? What made so many people want to what? write such a glowing essay and uh, a response to what she's done in their lives? She is a, she is a rare combination of um, an incredible intellect combined with a beautiful, kind, graceful spirit. And that's rare. I think that's really rare to have somebody who's so smart and knows so much and has read so much. I mean, this is a woman who's had multiple careers. Like, she's fluent in Latin. You know what I'm saying? And, like, she's, a, she's a, like a highly regarded poet. And she's an editor. And she's an author. And she's an incredible public speaker. Um, and she raised, you know, six kids. And, like, things like this. Uh, you just think how the the package that she has and just the amount of energy it's it's uh it's just it's just uncanny i can say so for those of us who had the good fortune of becoming close to her you just think i i will never know another human being like this in my life there's no no one like this so thank the lord that you've had the opportunity to spend time with her you know Hmm. that's good Well, Tony, thanks, uh, thanks for the time. Thanks for uh, giving us a chance to, to hear your experience with her. And obviously the, uh, the book that you put out uh, back in, I guess it was last year, uh, Phyllis Tickle, the, was it The Evangelist of the Future? Is that the title? Close Evangelist enough? of the Future is the subtitle, yeah. Her name is the title, yeah. Evangelist of the Outstanding. Future. And it's essays by Brian McLaren and Doug Adjett and Nadia Boltz-Weber and Lauren Winner. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a great, it's a great, 
great lineup of people who really love Phyllis. And, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people would, would enjoy that, enjoy reading that about her. Well, you know what? We'll put a link to that on the old uh, show notes. We'll get that out there. Sure. But, uh, Tony, thanks, thanks for the time. Thanks. Great seeing you. Always great to talk to you, Luke. Take yes, care sir. of yourself. Will do. All right, buddy. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.